So Penn State lands another cornerback out of the transfer portal. This time it's former Mississippi State Bulldog Odavian Collins. And unlike Storm Duck, Collins, there's more of a long-term plan for him at Penn State. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko. I am your host of the show as always. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college. And when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. That is promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, available right now at birddogs.com. And this is a special episode because we're welcoming on an expert from the Mississippi State Bulldogs side of things. He's a contributor for Rivals. He's also with the Bulldog Blitz. That is Jack Byers over on the other side. Jack, it is great to it's great to meet with you, connect with you because Penn State and Mississippi State essentially traded a couple players just the other day. Yeah, not something you see often in college football, but uh, I feel like it was a trade that you know kind of worked out well. Mississippi State needed a a running back. I think Kevon Lee brings some experience. And, and on the Penn State side of things, obviously, you know, Davian Collins is someone who, you know, is a pretty talented cornerback. He's probably not someone who's going to contribute right away, but I think he's got some physical traits that, you know, can help down the road for Penn State. And Locked on Nittany Lines is your go-to podcast for Penn State rivals. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for all the latest in Penn State athletics, including, of course, uh, Audavian Collins joining the Nittany Lions. Jack, we bring you on to discuss just that. And, of course, we'll talk about Keevon Lee and what he can contribute to the Bulldogs this upcoming season. Talented running back, I must say. But uh, Audavian Collins, what what should Nittany Lion fans be excited about? Because as you preface there, uh, this is a, a young cornerback. It's only his second year of college football. He had the red shirt this past season, so he's got four more years of eligibility. But I don't want people to get confused and think, well, he can come in and play right away. I think this is more of a depth piece move. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, a lot of times when you do dip into the transfer portal, you are looking for someone who is going to contribute right away. But I kind of looked at the strategy Penn State you know, took here when they did grab Adrian Collins and just strategy Mississippi State did a couple times this offseason as well. And it's like, okay, you grab a guy who redshirted, so he's got four years of eligibility, but also now it's like he's already used his one-time transfer. So now he can't transfer away until he becomes a graduate transfer in three years. So you have a guy who you can stash away, develop him, and eventually you know, probably turn him into a good player. And uh, Davian Collins, again, he was a former three-star uh, pretty much across the board, depending on whatever platform you looked at. Uh, when you saw him for a year at Mississippi State, again, a guy that used his red shirt, so he didn't get a whole lot of playing time. But what what do you like about his skill set? What potential does he have? Uh, because if he's this de- developmental project, as people might dub him, uh, where can he get better and ultimately be hopefully a starter, a serious contributor for Penn State in maybe a year or two years' time? He can't. He's not going to come in and play right away, but maybe two to three years from now, what does this look like? I think he's someone who has the speed to play, you know, in the defensive backfield in the Power Five, right? Like he's four-four speed. He's got the size six foot. I think he needs to put on a little bit of weight, but I don't think that's a whole lot, whole big of a deal because I mean, you just look at Mississippi State head. Manuel Ford playing at 161 going the first round. So I don't think it's a huge deal. I think he's around 165. But 
he's someone who probably needs to do a little more physical. Um, you know, he's got the speed and the athleticism. I think he needs to get a little more physical with the wide receivers. That I think that'll help him out a ton. And the other thing is, like, I see him as more of like a nickel cornerback kind of okay. player, and that's something Mississippi State didn't use. Like they, they the defense Mississippi State ran, they ran three safeties and two cornerbacks at all times. So there was never like an opportunity for him to like get into the slot. And I feel like that's somewhere down the line where I could see Penn State using him a lot. Yeah, and that actually makes a, a good bit of sense. And I was just thinking, okay, if this, from what you're telling me, this sounds like somebody, because I don't even need to ask, is he a boundary or is he a slot corner? And he actually does have good height. He's listed six foot. Maybe he gets, uh, you know, maybe he grows a little taller, right? But uh, And he can definitely add a, a lot more weight. But I think Penn State's going to like that he's more of a speed, shifty kind of cornerback that can turn the hips really quickly because that's what slot receivers typically bring to the table. And if he fits well in nickel formations as that third cornerback, then I'm pretty good with that move because Daquan Hardy's only got one more season. He's currently the starter with Penn State, a very good veteran. But what does life look like after him? And maybe that's why you bring in a guy like Davian Collins who can take that one year, play behind someone like Daquan Hardy's caliber, maybe get some special teams action as well, uh, and then maybe even be the starter just next year. Does he have that potential? Could he start next year if that slot corner spot is vacant? Oh, possibly. I think he was somebody Mississippi State was you know excited about when they signed him, right? Like, like I said, he has the physical traits to – you know, be someone who can compete, you know, at, whether at the SEC or at the Big Ten level, right? So I think he's someone right, – he does need to add some weight. He does need to add some physicality, like I had mentioned. Like, you know, just look what he did in high school, right? Like Georgia, I think he played in 7A in Georgia. That's one of the highest levels of high school football you'll find in the country. And he, you know, he competed at with the best. I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but I, he racked up a ton of tackles and – one of the most competitive, you know, divisions of high school football. So, you know, he has the, the pedigree in him to, I think, you know, be someone who will be a very good player at Penn State with time. Now, you have to trust the coaches, right? Like, I know Penn State's put some DBs into the NFL the last couple of years, Joey Porter, Jaquan Brisker, things like that. And obviously on the Mississippi State side as well, like he has received coaching from a cornerback coach who – has put two cornerbacks in the NFL the last two seasons. So I think he just kind of – you pick up things from Mississippi State. You learn some new things at Penn State. You kind of put it all together with the physical traits. You kind of hope maybe his junior, senior year that he could you know, be someone that breaks out for you. Jack, do you, a final question about uh, uh, Davian. Do you have any insight as far as why he might have entered the transfer portal? Again, I know that he is just coming off his redshirt season, so it's not like he spent time with Mississippi State and then it came to the conclusion, you know, this I need a, a, a fresh scene. I, I need a new start. Uh, this, and this is someone that is from the Georgia area to begin with, so uh, it's – Pretty atypical. I'm glad that Penn State is able to recruit in whatever location that that they like to. They obviously have better places that uh, they are able to build other relationships with and better relationships. But I, I do think this is kind of uh, – it, it is a little weird that they are getting someone that Mississippi State – uh, and then Georgia originally to come up to Happy Valley, Pennsylvania. Do you have any any insight, any inclination why he was in the transfer portal to begin with, and then why he would want to land at somewhere like Penn State? I think he might have got the sense that he got recruited over a little bit. Mississippi State took about four or five defensive backs in the transfer portal this season. Okay. 
They also took a recruiting class for cornerbacks, I believe. So he might have got the sense where he was being recruited over. I do think he had a pretty solid spring camp, and I think that was someone Mississippi State wanted to keep. I think Mississippi State did process a few guys. I don't believe he was one of them. Um, but I just think he kind of got the sense that there's a bit of a log jam, you know, in that DB room, and he, he just kind of wanted to get somewhere else. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, he could be a potential fit, you know, you know, to be the next in line at the nickel at Penn State. And maybe that's something the coach and staff at Penn State kind of sold him on. I guess that's a similar case here because let's move to Kevon Lee, the running back that I really wanted Penn State to keep, but I think everybody knew at least in Happy Valley, and Kevon Lee knew this as well, and coaches will have these conversations with players. They will tell you to enter the transfer portal. if They they say, you know, we want to keep you around, but we also have a plan, and if you don't like that plan, then maybe it's time to just break apart, and that was Kevon Lee. Kevon Lee was a guy that came in in the 2020 COVID season, actually found his way into a size amount of snaps for Penn State, but there was a ceiling to his capabilities, at least in this offense. Uh, He showed some weaknesses that weren't going to push the team, at least offensively in the running game forward. He and Noah Kane seemed like a good split back type of deal in the depth chart, and it just ultimately didn't work out for a variety of reasons. Kane went to LSU, and now we see Kevon Lee end up at Mississippi State. But Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, Jack, I don't know how you're I don't know how familiar you are with them, but these are guys that honestly, I know I'm biased, right? I'm doing a Nittany Lions show here, but Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen are both Heisman candidates. They should be across the whole college football landscape, and that's what bumped Kevon Lee down to the third spot on the depth chart, and he was never going to break through. That's just the honest fact of the matter, but... Mississippi State is getting a good one. I will say that. He's got starter experience, but I, I feel like I don't I don't want to criticize his game too much because I like what he did, but he sometimes he tried to do too much outside of his skill set. Um, he has a very particular set of skills, and, and he tried it. Let's just take an example. He doesn't have a lot of – he has a lot of downhill speed, but not a lot of outside speed, and he tried to bounce it to the outside a lot. But uh, just in short here, Jack, what are you excited most about getting a guy like Kevon Lee uh, into the fold for the Bulldogs this upcoming season? Well, you mentioned he was someone who excelled, you know, going between the tackles, maybe wasn't as great outside the tackles. And I think that's something Mississippi State needed because Mississippi State, you know, obviously the transitioning from an air raid offense to yeah. now, you know, obviously rest in peace, Mike Leach and everything. Yeah. And, and bringing a new offensive coordinator and it's going to be a more balanced attack. Um, and you needed somebody who could who could run between the tackles. You, you return your, your top running back from last season, Jacoy Bismarck. He's more of a more of a pass catching type and, and more of an outside of the box kind of guy. Um, the other running back you had last season, who was more of the guy you leaned on to be, go between the tackles of Dylan Johnson, he ended up transferring to Washington. So they kind of needed someone to fit into that role of someone who can go between the tackles. And you know, as you mentioned, that's someone that's something that Lee did a lot. Um, I think that's something that he can help some. Oh, excuse me. I think that's, you know, someone who can help contribute to that Mississippi State, you know, as the number two running back. Yeah, and I feel like they can complement each other, right? If you if you say that Marks is someone that can be that speed threat and be your turn the corner type of guy, and then Kevon Lee is your because I thought he fit the ground and pound mold very well, the downhill right up the gut, enough athleticism to where he was leaping over defenders, he could run through them, and, and oddly enough, he just 
it, it felt like at times he just didn't want to do that, <laughs> that he that he didn't like that he was that kind of runner, even though he is. So I wish him nothing but the best. You're going to get multiple years out of, of eligibility out of him. Uh, Jack, how long was this in the making? Because he was in the portal for quite some time. He was weighing his options, but it always seemed like Mississippi State was going to be the destination. Is that the inclination that you had uh, through all of this with Kevon Lee? Yeah, so we got word about a month ago that he was coming in for an official visit. That was the week of – that was a big weekend for Mississippi State. They had uh, a bunch of official visitors. That was the week of their spring game. And, you know, we call it Super Bulldog Weekend down there because they have their own baseball rivalry series with Ole Miss and everything. I know, I know baseball's not big in Big Ten country, but uh, they set the NCAA tennis record that week for two very bad baseball teams. And so that was kind of like their, you know, recruiting pitch. Hey, look at you know, our fan base and everything. Yeah. That was the week he came in officially and it kind of was a weird recruitment. I don't, I didn't hear about him taking any other official visits. He didn't even like put out a committed graphic on Twitter or anything. We literally just got word that he had been bold at the university yesterday. And it was kind of just happened like that. It was very interesting. Well, I, I hope that, you know, all these running backs or any of these players that it doesn't work out for them at Penn State, we wish them, of course, nothing but the best. So, And like I said, I can say that you're getting a good one uh, to to the depth chart when it comes to Mississippi State. Hope he does well. Uh, and, and Jack, just uh, thank you so much for the conversation today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the insight on, you know, a little a little pseudo trade, right, on Avian Collins for, for Kevon Lee in this situation since it happened back to back like that. Uh, but Jack, before I let you go, we're where can people keep up with your work that you do so well with Rivals? Yeah, so you can just follow me on Twitter at Jack Byers Rivals and also at BulldogBlitz.com or at MississippiState.Rivals.com. All right, Jack, I appreciate the time. I hope the Bulldogs uh, have a have – a, I know, rest in peace, Mike Leach, but uh, the, the new era is upon Mississippi State, uh, and I hope that they make some, some headway in the SEC. Thanks again for the time today. Yeah, appreciate it. I'm happy to come on for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs pants and shorts are great for three reasons. First, the fit. You will look better and feel better wearing Bird Dogs. Second reason is comfort. The stretchy fabric will make your legs look great and they're comfier than your other shorts and pants. Versatility is the final reason. They give you the freedom to wear one pair of shorts or pants on the golf course to a meeting on a date hanging out with friends you name it now i've actually never had bird dogs before and i wanted to try them out so guess what i ordered a couple pairs of shorts and i'll tell you what they do live up to the building everything that they say about their shorts and pants is true so Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. That's right. You get a free tumbler when you go to birddogs.com slash college today. Now, we're going to have a good conversation with my old friend from Locked On Big Ten, and that is Nate Dickinson. Ask some questions and get the overall perspective of how the Big Ten is looking at the Penn State Nittany Lions. And there you're listening into Locked On Big Ten. We're joined by the host of Locked On Nittany Lions, Zach Zako. I'm Nate Dickinson, here to give you a little bit of a spring recap as we go around the Big Ten and figure out where everyone stands as we get into the offseason of the football season. Zach, thanks as always for joining us here on the program. It's a pleasure to have yeah. you on. As we get into things here with Penn State, I 
could beat around the bush if I wanted to, but let's just talk about what everyone wants to talk about. Drew Aller, five-star quarterback, potentially the guy to bring Penn State to the promised land of finally getting over Michigan or Ohio State, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. How are people liking him in spring? Uh, so Drew had, I think, his moments in the blue-white game specifically. Uh, very streaky. Uh, ni- neither offensive group could get it together, right? Uh, whether that was the blue team with Drew Aller, the first string players, and then the scout team offense with Bo Prabula. Uh, I think the story is going to be behind just the, how complete this team is. Uh, so Drew Aller doesn't have to set the world on fire by any means. He's going to be good. I, I think eventually... He is going to be a lot better than Sean Clifford, right? That's the that's the whole conversation about Drew, is that he has the potential. He's supposed to be what Christian Hackenberg was or Anthony Morelli, the the tall five star quarterbacks of the past. Uh, but Drew Aller is in a system where both coordinators are back, so that benefits him, of course, offensively. But then the defense is going to set him up mutually with short fields. He's got a ground game, possibly one of the, if not the best back running back tandem in the Big Ten and all of the country. Honestly, I know Michigan's up there, but I think Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen are just as good. I will say that. Uh, and then the offensive line to go along with it. So what what I liked about Drew in the blue-white game is that he showed progress. He showed veteran mindset. He wasn't quick to roll out of the pocket. He, he trusted his offensive line. Uh, he went through his progressions. I think that's very important. So this is someone that is in his second year of college football, and he already looks like he's midway through his third or fourth year. So uh, Drew Aller's going to take time, right? He's going to need to settle in, and I think games like West Virginia uh, help accelerate that clock. Uh, road game against Illinois is probably going to be the biggest challenge since that's game three. But I, I like Drew Aller a lot. Uh, so does everybody else in the Penn State fan base. But know that he has assets around him to not necessarily bail him out, but to continue to build him up. So there's not a lot of pressure on him. Any other names that are impressing or sticking out to people here as we get through the spring? Yeah, the, the wide receivers, I think, are kind of the biggest question mark because, okay, thank goodness that Drew has the running backs, the offensive line. I'd even go a step further and say the tight ends as well, uh, given that there's some question marks uh, about injuries or off the field issues, right? With Theo Johnson, that report came out uh, about having charges brought against him uh, off the field. But, uh, and I don't know how that's going to affect his play yet. But uh, the wide receivers, they got Dante Cephas on campus. Amari uh, Evans had stepped up over the course of the spring. I mean, James Franklin wasn't ready to name him with that group. He kept saying Trey Wallace, Keandre Lambert-Smith, KLS, Trey Wallace. That That's how the conversation went with Coach. But if you asked other players, uh, specifically, I asked Trey Wallace at, at a post-practice press conference and said, who stepped up in your mind in, in among your fellow wide receiver teammates? And he's like Amari Evans. He didn't even hesitate. He didn't blink. And he went on to say just what, what he does well and what he's been doing well at. So uh, Amari Evans uh, being at least somebody who probably isn't going to start because now Dante Cephas and all Mac conference players on campus. And I think should be able to build that rapport with the team, learn the playbook uh, and the same thing that chemistry with drew Aller, but to have Amari Evans coming up the way he is in the case that Cephas, you know, is unavailable for whatever reason, right? I don't want to speak an injury uh, into existence or anything, but you always have to plan for the worst and hope for the best. And Amari Evans, whether he's a starter 
or being a backup uh, is a good asset to have in the wide receiver core right now, just with the limited options that that Penn State unfortunately has. As you look forward into the fall, let's get a little bit more abstract here. But expectations for this Penn State team are obviously high, but it's at the same time at a place where Nittany Lions, let's say last year, were in that kind of spot where you had Michigan, Ohio State, then Penn State, and then everybody else here. It, as a team that was in that middle ground before, how are the expectations being handled as we look forward to a season for this team where they're hoping to get over that edge? Well, now the consensus seems to be that Penn State is going to go around 10-2 and two and that the hump is Michigan-Ohio State. And the fan base still believes that Penn State's not going to get it. Select fans, right? But if you ask a majority, if you were to poll every single Penn State Nittany Line fan and honestly every college football fan, they would say that Penn State will win 10 games. They should win all the games that they should and then lose to Ohio State and lose to Michigan. That's just the story of it. That's the nature of it. So the expectations generally are that Penn State's going to go 10-2. and two. I'm in the boat of that they that they go 11 and 1. I think Ohio State's taken a step back. Michigan, that's so late in the season right now on paper Michigan still wins that game. But it can go either way for both teams. Injuries can happen. Uh, the way the season breaks for both teams could and Michigan now making the college football playoff in back-to-back seasons definitely has a target on its back. So I, I wonder how the Wolverines are going to handle that. Uh, but I think Ohio State is vulnerable in this case. As talented as they are, I don't know that I trust their defense. And from what I'm reading is that the quarterback station seems a little murky there. And so now you don't have that leverage of C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields anymore to bail you out. Ohio State's going to have to look towards uh, uh, the defense saving the day. And from what we saw last season, the defense couldn't do that. So uh, if Penn State is going to strike, this is the year to do it. So 12-0 is definitely the ceiling of college football playoff berth. I would say a realistic basement for them is nine and three. They lose to Michigan. They lose to Ohio State because that's a road game, right? I'd like Ohio State much more in Beaver Stadium this season uh, and just kind of say, all right, Michigan on the road. We'll, we'll chalk that up to a guaranteed loss. Uh, if you, I think Illinois is a game where they could get surprised, right? Because that's a Penn State team two years ago that didn't match up well. Brett Bielema hasn't changed anything. I do think Penn State still wins this Illinois game, but it's going to come with a lot of bumps and bruises. But we're saying worst case scenario, Bielema outcoaches Franklin. They lose that road game, and then they just have some close calls with some teams they definitely should you know, beat out of the water, right? Uh, they should be able to smoke them, and they don't. Uh, so, But that's – and worst case scenario, obviously, is – they lose Maryland and everything else, but I'm not, that's not even the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. Of course, Penn state sky high expectations to be yeah. able to get at least one of those big wins this season. Zach Seiko with us here from locked on Nittany lions on locked on big 10 Zach, a cornerback position is something that if you're an outsider looking in is one of the big question marks. Cause you lose Joey Porter, you, you lose a uh, Jair Brown, uh, but I, I know that, position as depth at Penn State. Can you just go a little bit more into depth on exactly what you're getting there over on the outside? Yeah, so I'm actually glad that you brought this up, Nate, because cornerback, I still think, is a strength, the secondary as well as a whole. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., as good, as talented as he was, dealt at the end of the season with the appendectomy, had to have his appendix removed. Uh, so there, there was that. But Kalen King, 
but not enough people are talking about him. He is a legitimate first rounder. He could be the first cornerback taken in next year's draft. So Penn State fans, they said, oh, well, Joey Porter Jr. will be the first uh, first round pick in Penn State history for corners. It happened, but it didn't happen, right, with the 32nd overall pick, but it was in the second <laughs> round. Uh, but Kalen King will definitely put that to rest. Uh, he is better than Joey Porter Jr. I will go on the record and say that, and it's no disrespect to JPJ. It's just that Kalen King, when you avoided Joey Porter Jr. on that other side of the field, Kalen King not only stepped up but held his own ground pretty consistently. You had nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> when you were uh, targeting the boundary. So uh, teams went over the middle and Penn State, of course, adjusted. Manny Diaz is a great defensive coordinator, but it's just the continued work of Terry Smith, Anthony Poindexter, uh, just collectively in the secondary to go recruit these diamonds in the rough and, and turn them to these NFL-style cornerbacks that can be left on an island, shut down one side of the field, and then you don't have to babysit them. You can let the safeties do what they need to do. That's why Jair Brown was successful, because Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King both did their jobs, and I think that's going to be the case again this year. You had Storm Duck transfer in thinking that he's going to get all this playing time. Joey Porter Jr. is gone. It's just Kalen. King, he's the only sure-fired starter. Uh, Johnny Dixon had something to say about that. So I think that Kalen King and Johnny Dixon, and now they just get the transfer from Mississippi State. They have incredible, talented freshmen. Elliot Washington is in line for some playing time. He's one of the fastest players on the team. Clocked a sub- four, three, 40 yard dash, according to Penn state's leaderboards. So he's fast. You still have Daquan Hardy, who's a veteran at the slot. I, I like the secondary a lot. I don't think there's a lot of question marks there. Well, if there are question marks, where are they here, Zach? If there's going to be one, whether it be position or position group or anything yeah. like that, that defines the success or failure of this season, where do you see it being? Uh, interior defensive line, I, I think. And wi wide receivers, because you have the running backs, the tight ends, the offensive line, all of that collectively. And I think Dante Cephas will provide that spark that they need. Uh, Penn State's completely fine on the offensive side of things. And Mike Yersich knows what he's doing, right? Uh, interior defensive line. This is something that, it, you know, Penn State, it, it's particularly dependent on what the injury, I don't know, the availability. Let's just say that because Kaziah Izzard and Hakeem Beeman were in comfy clothes for the blue-white game. And James Franklin said all spring season, we need interior defensive line. We need interior defensive line. We need interior defensive line. And that, that told you something, right? And it's just like, oh, the players aren't doing what they need to. Well, why does he keep saying that? Because two players might not be available for the start of the season, and that's concerning. If those two guys are there, that's great, but also in the fact they still need the depth uh, they did get Alonzo Ford from Old Dominion. Uh, uh, all Sun Belt honorable mention. Uh, coaches said that he played in a nose guard type of role. So he always took on double teams. So I'm excited for the potential of this player, but I, I unfortunately don't know what he can provide as a rotational defensive lineman fully. Uh, just that he has good expectations, but I don't think that he's going to be all again. He was, he was at old dominion for a reason. Right. And I hope he can take that next step forward with big 10 competition, but uh, Penn state is still smaller uh, on that defensive uh, interior. And that's not what led them to lose that Michigan game a season ago. They got out schemed, They got outplayed. Uh, they, they got outsmarted by Michigan. That's the fact of the matter. So size doesn't matter here. I'm worried about the depth because what happens if another defensive lineman in the interior goes down and then you add, you know, literally uh, insult to injury, right? 
Uh, so if Penn State can land another defensive tackle through the portal before all said and done, I am more content with this position group. But uh, I would have to say that's one of the weakest links in addition to the special teams. You don't your kicker's brand new. Your kickoff specialist is brand new. Your punter's brand new. Your punt returner's brand new. Your long snapper's brand new. And all those guys, uh, once upon a time, right, Jordan Stout was all conference. Uh, Chris Stout, your long snapper from a season ago, was the best long snapper in the country. Got the award to prove it. That Those things matter. Those things matter. You're going to have a new holder on, on place kicks. So, I, I don't know. I think special teams, though, that third side of the football helped Penn State a lot in 2021, especially. They could have been a lot worse if they didn't have that group. 2022, it was solid. 2023, I, I don't know. This is something that I'm worried that it, it could, if it comes down to a field goal or something like that, uh, or it's a very tight game, special teams might not bail out Penn State. I'd argue in the Big Ten more than anywhere, Penn or special teams matter. And for yeah. Penn State, it's going to matter too. A lot of really good info, Zach. Thank you, as always, for giving it to us. If you want to get more of it, head on over to Locked On Nittany Lions. Zach's yeah. doing this every single day, keeping you filled in on what's going on at Penn State. And I'm sure we'll have him back in here on Locked On Big Ten soon to break down whatever happens next over in Pennsylvania. We'll talk to you again soon, Zach. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, you bet, Nate. Thanks for having me.